we going to get this thing started? Are we going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. You know why we're going to do it? Because this, 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 Hey, what are we talking about today? Yeah, what are we talking about? Well, I think we should talk about a few ways that you, Dave, mm-hmm. or anyone could save a person's life. Because I think when... Wait, like in public? Yeah. Not at your work. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> talking about like the the guy who, you know, dove into the subway and covered the man who had passed out. Yeah. Under the, like that's I would amazing. I not save that guy. That, what are you talking about? <laughs> I would not what diving? Dive What's up over somebody. You don't know this story? No. Oh my God, this Please is amazing. Explain. Go. So... There was a a man waiting for the subway. He was standing there with his daughter. Yes. And he saw another man have a seizure and fall down into the subway track. And without really even thinking about it, and he knew there was a, a train coming, he jumps down into the track. Mm-hmm. And he tries to pull the other guy off to the side and he starts to realize, I'm not going to make it. Like, I, I can't make it. And so instead of trying to pull him off the track... He flattens the guy out and lays on top of him. And the train barely passes over both of them. And the guy survives. And when the train leaves, he pulls the guy out. The guy wakes up. And it's just this amazing hero story. Yeah. Do you have these thoughts like, um, I'm sure I'd be so brave under circumstances like that. I don't have those thoughts. <laughs> I have the thoughts like, I'm going to embarrass my family and myself and have shame because I'm not going to do that because I'm afraid. My first thought is when I see something really horrible happen, I say, I really hope there's someone super brave in this crowd. (laughs) Well, okay, we're not talking about these really amazing acts of bravery. We're talking about things that are that are kind of simple, that Thank if you God. see someone who is in a lot of distress that you could intervene on and potentially save a life. And there's not really there's not that many of them. Okay. You know, these are kind of rare opportunities. And if you know what to do in that moment, you could really save a life. Like somebody's walking into Starbucks and you go, stop right now. The coffee here really isn't that good. There's been a lot of social programming here. You don't want to go in there. Is that what we're talking Hero. about? Hero. Hero. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> right it. Right there. <laughs> well, I think we should start off with a story. And this is a story that comes from one of my coworkers, Dr. Renee Ramirez, who works with me at UCSF Fresno. And he told me this story about his son, Andrew, and Andrew's classmate, Michaela. So they came over and um, I interviewed them about what happened in their second grade class party. This is absolutely adorable. So I was picking up the kids from school, and it was Sammy, who's in kindergarten, and she was kind of screaming while Andrew was talking, because they both talk over each other, as is common. And Andrew's like, I have something to tell you, Dad. And Sammy's all, Andrew's a hero, Andrew's a hero. And usually when I pick them up, I always ask them, so how was your day? What'd you guys do? Who'd you play with? What'd you learn? So they're always ready to tell me what they did, right? And then Andrew's like, I have something exciting to tell you today. And then he's like, so my classmate, Michaela, she was choking and I did the Heimlich maneuver. And I was like, what? (laughs) And Sammy's still yelling in the background, Andrew's a hero, Andrew's a hero. And I said, well, hold on, hold on. What exactly happened? I was eating a gummy bear and then my desk partner made me laugh so hard I tried to swallow it and then I was choking and then um, Andrew came over and he gave me the Heimlich maneuver. So what did you see, Andrew? 
I saw Michaela choking on a gummy bear. She was pointing at her throat, and I knew something was wrong, and I quickly gave her the Heimlich maneuver. What's the Heimlich maneuver? You can ask my dad. Okay. All right, Dr. Ramirez, what's the Heimlich maneuver? (laughs) What is the Heimlich maneuver, Andrew? I had you explain it to me, remember? Okay, so you grab them by the belly button, and then you pull back, and you're behind them, and they should spit it out. Did something come out of her mouth when huh? you did the Heimlich yeah. maneuver? Yeah, a gummy bear. A gummy bear? A gum, the gummy bear. A red. No, it was a, I think either it was a white or yellow orange or red gummy bear. So how did you know she was choking? What does that look like? She was grabbing her neck, pointing at it, and she was about to turn pink. Well, I didn't turn pink. Yeah, but you were about to. Was that scary, Michaela? No. Wasn't? Not really. No? No. What were you thinking when that happened? I was just thinking, oh, maybe he'll save my life. Okay, come over here and help me. <laughs> so you saw Andrew, and you thought that Andrew would do something to help. Yeah. I was in such disbelief, I made him explain to me what the Heimlich maneuver was. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, did this really happen? Is this little girl okay? <laughs> so... I texted Michaela's mom and asked her if she if she was okay. Number one, and number two, um, is was this true? Did it happen that way? Andrew, where did you learn how to do the Heimlich maneuver? My dad taught me a year ago because I'm a scout, and I was reading this comic about scouts in action, and I asked him, "How, Dad? How can I say someone from choking?" And he said, "You can do the Heimlich maneuver." And I asked him. What is it? And then he taught me how to practice. I was just talking to the kids the other night. You know, they watch VeggieTales every once in a while. And on VeggieTales, there's an episode saying, what does it say, guys? Little what? Big guys can do big things. I mean, little guys can do big things, too. Little guys can do big things, too. So that's a theme that we kind of have told them kind of over the years. There's a song to it. There's a song to it. It goes like this. (laughs) I'm big and you're little. Something, something, dum, na, 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 na. And then it says little people can do big things too. So one of the things I was talking to him about was if you guys ever see an emergency, what's the first thing you guys are supposed to do? You ask someone to call 911, and then while they're calling 911, if they're choking, give them the Heimlich maneuver, but if they're passing out, give them um, CPR. Also, if there's an emergency, you should stop, drop, and roll. (laughs) If there's a fire, that is, Michaela. There you go. So you were doing a Valentine's theme party when all this happened. And, you know, Andrew, I would say that's a pretty heroic thing that you did. And so everyone that I've told this story always wants to know the answer to this question, which is, does this mean that one day the two of you will get married? Oh, no. (laughs) No. That's the appropriate reaction for a second grader. They didn't like that question. Oh, they got embarrassed. They were like, ew! Ew, cooties! They ran to the other side of the room. Oh, that means he likes her. That's boy translation right there. It's such an amazing story and so heroic and so sweet and charming. And then it got me thinking, well, this is a fairly simple thing. 
and we should talk about this and other things that you could do that could maybe save someone's life. A simple intervention that you could possibly save someone's life. So what is the Heimlich Maneuver? Well, I think Andrew explained it quite adorably well. Um, The idea is if you're choking on something, whether it's a piece of food or a foreign body, something's blocking your airway and you're unable to get it out. And so the idea is that someone puts their hands, you know, right below your rib cage. So right below your xiphoid process. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Is that the solar plexus? Yes. And then it's like a forceful squeeze, like So you come from behind. Mm -hmm. Yep. To kind of jam up into that solar plexus, yes. And it's a forceful motion inward and upward. Like you're going to stab a knife into you. Like your fist is rotated into you so you can get some... Exactly. So (laughs) it's a sudden increase... In the, in the pressure, and hopefully it kind of expels the foreign body mm. out from your airway. So this increases the pressure in your lungs. So if the foreign body is in your lungs, it potentially can pop it out of your lungs. It also oh. increases the pressure within your, potentially in your esophagus and your stomach. So if it's stuck there, maybe it can help it pop out. Um, so you do it forcefully. So try it. Um, you're probably not going to hurt them, although it's... Yeah, how much force? Can you break something? Cause sure, you, you can. In the CPR episode, we talked about, like, you might be breaking ribs. Um, how how much force am I supposed to apply to the to the abdomen? A, a f- and can I break anything? Absolutely. So a firm amount, and that's probably why you have to do it a few times, you know, you do a little tug. It's like a little rehearsal. Little, like, uh, break like, the oh, ice. maybe that's enough to pop it out. Yeah. And then you, they're still dying. A little harder. They're still dying. A little harder. A little harder. But you can absolutely hurt people. And so uh, there is reports, just right, of uh, gastric, so your stomach exploding. Mm. Yes, a rupture. Whoa. Gastric rupture. But that's really rare. Very I mean, rare. the odds of that happening, I would I would definitely think here that the benefit outweighs the risk. Right. You if know, somebody's like, truly choking, absolutely. Yeah. Do it. But it is a good point. You know, kids jerking around being idiots don't do this on each other don't do this for fun at a party and yeah. a person who's completely normal you can do damage with this this is a procedure to save a life but you can also hurt people you can break ribs it can hurt uh, you can even give people cardiac arrhythmias if you do it at mm. the wrong time so this is for somebody that is dying but step one supposedly right now is back blows you're just supposed to bash people on the back boom Really? Boom, mm-hmm. boom, to see if you can dislodge it and they'll cough it up themselves. That's step one. If that doesn't work, you would try a Heimlich maneuver. I feel more comfortable slapping someone on the back. Yeah. Yeah. And while you're doing all this, you know, hey, you with the red shirt, go call 911 because right. this could get worse. Yeah. It might get better in a second, but what if it gets worse? You need an expert who can look at It's sort of like there. the first thing you yell out as you're running towards the person someone call 911. I'm going to save somebody. And, and I might screw this up royally. <laughs> and don't actually do it that way in a crowd. Like you point to somebody specifically that you see oh. has a phone. It's like you in the yeah. red shirt, call 911 right now. Because if you, if just, you say, just say, yeah, ah, then like, everyone thinks everyone else, else is going to do it's it. It's like on the freeway when there's a crash. I'm sure somebody's called. I won't bother calling. <laughs> that specifically must be very point at somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then you point to another person like uh, you. Go and find out if there's an AED and bring it over here. Uh, and you, know, you make sure the guy in the red shirt did call 911. Right. And you, get me a cup of coffee. So, very thirsty. And I need hot towels. I don't know why, but I need hot towels. You, boil water. Wow, this guy really knows what he's doing. <laughs> so many commands. I have a quick story. Uh, last year, 
we were at a conference. It was uh, Mel. You were you were golfing at the time, but excellent. I was at lunch with Dave and Josh. Josh from Shabam. Josh, one of our our sound designers. The three of us were having lunch, and we're right across the street from this really large emergency medicine conference where there's just you know probably a hundred ER doctors, and uh, we're eating lunch. I take a bite of a French fry, and Josh tells a really funny joke right in this moment where I've got the French fry in my mouth, mm-hmm. and I gasp. <gasps> And a French fry gets lodged right in my glottis. Oh, no. And Josh and I didn't notice because we were still riffing Love on the last <laughs> joke. Still laughing. So we were like playing off each other. And, and here I am crying and turning and pink. Je- They're like, yeah. oh, Jess really likes this yeah, one. Yeah, Jess is really laughing at this joke. And then she starts elbowing me in the side. And I'm like, what? And, and I grab my yeah, neck. Like, uh, and then Josh and I both look at her like, I, we don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, great. And in that moment, the thought hits me. Here we are. About... 100 meters from 100 ER doctors, and I'm at lunch with these guys, <laughs> and they don't know what the hell to do. I know. What happened? I think it went down my bronchial. Oh, no. <laughs> it's yeah. in your airway. Now, did you think, Jess, when you were having this episode, because I've heard stories on the internet, people choking, there's nobody around, and they give themselves their, their own Heimlich by oh, like yeah. falling on the side of a table yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or something a chair, like that. A, like chair, a chair, just like yeah. thrusting themselves, like poof. You know, this was such a brief, brief moment that my only thought was, this is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be my thought. My thought would be, Another thing that doesn't get enough attention and a potential way you could intervene and save someone's life is someone who is having anaphylaxis. Oh, that's um, that's like peanut allergies, right? Or like getting stung by a bee? Yeah, those are really common ones. But basically someone's exposed to some allergen and, you know, their immune system just totally overdoes it. They have this anaphylactic reaction and they can't breathe. And what you could do to save them is administer an epinephrine auto-injector, commonly called the EpiPen, but that's a trade name. Um, That is the one life-saving intervention that that saves these people. And so someone who's in anaphylactic shock, if they have an EpiPen, maybe they can't administer it to themselves. And they would, they would have, if they were this severely allergic to something, they would have an EpiPen on them. I would hope so, but probably not necessarily. A lot mm. of people don't carry it with them all the time, even though they're supposed to. Is it common enough where if yes. they didn't, I could yell out, does someone have an EpiPen? And someone would throw one and at me? And you'd have a decent chance that someone really? would have an EpiPen. Yeah, I think there's a decent chance. Enough people have anaphylaxis that it's not that rare of an item. Mm. And so it's worth asking. And so basically what you do is you inject them right in the thigh. What does it look like? Is it an actual long needle or is it one of those like when you go to the doctor and they're like, we're going to take some blood and they, and they just, you never see it. Like it just shoots. It's a like little... a fat, it's like a fat pen. And you basically just, boom, you push it hard against your thigh and it auto injects. Oh, you don't have to press anything. You just have to stab. You and, just stab, yeah. And there's a wow. whole bunch of YouTube videos of people who have EpiPens who have given up to themselves who show uh, you how to use these. Fantastic. But, you know, um, speaking of Josh, it's come up twice now <laughs> in this episode. Josh's son, Zachary, has anaphylaxis. He's allergic to peanuts. And so I actually talked to Zachary and Josh about what that's like, what the allergy feels like, and what the EpiPen feels like. So let's take a listen. I'm Zachary. Zachary. Now you do your full voice and don't do Hulk. Okay, do it in Hulk Smash voice first. Zachary. Okay, and you can do it now. Do it in normal voice. Zachary. <laughs> Zachary. 
<laughs> okay, Zachary. I wanted to ask you some questions about your allergies and your EpiPen. My EpiPen. Yeah. So when I have an allergy, they give me my EpiPen because my EpiPen's always safe. It's it's in my medicine box with my Benadryl, my inhaler. So when you get the EpiPen, it they have to do this to your leg and they have to keep it for ten seconds. Wow. And what's that feel like? It feel it hurts. Yeah. How many times have we ever had to do that? Three. I touched someone's touched someone's peanuts. It was a bag of peanuts, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My eye was hurting, and then it got swollen, <laughs> and then they had to take my EpiPen, and then the ambulance came, and then they brought me to the doctor, and it was a really long time for the doctor. Did you feel itchy when you after you touched the peanuts? Yes. And what about, did you feel like any swelling inside your mouth? No. No? Did you have any problems breathing or were you, were you breathing normal? I had problems breathing. I felt like I was about to throw up. Does your tummy hurt if you get near peanuts? Yeah, like it hurts like there's stuff that's about to come out of my mouth and it just like hurts like that kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get a rash that's itchy? No. So when you've had to give him the EpiPen shot, what was that like for you? Uh, it was actually really scary because I was like, I have to stab my child in the leg. and But, you know, you're, the doctor says you got to do this. Otherwise, he's going to go into anaphylaxis. So uh, I, you just take that over watching your child suffocate. Like, you know, you don't want to take the chance, right? So... So you just stab it in there, and then you got to hold it in there. <laughs> All right, you did such a good job, Zachary. Thank you. Yes, you did a good job. I got the shot to my mom. I love that he uh, he talks about the wait time at the doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, the ambulance picked me up, and then I went to the doctor, and then I waited. <laughs> Even a six-year-old yeah. complains about ER wait times. <laughs> So that 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 was really interesting, Zach. Super cute. Um, what are you gonna die from from anaphylaxis? Is it the suffocation? Like you? Yeah, can't that's a really breathe? good question. The thing that kills you are are two things. One of them is um, basically you can't breathe because you have so much swelling in your airway, and so you're unable to breathe. And then the other one is shock. So you get basically all this vasodilation, all your vessels dilate, and mm-hmm. your blood pressure just tanks. It goes mm-hmm. way down. So you're hypotensive, and that can put you into shock. And so that can be another reason to cause a cardiac or cardiopulmonary arrest. And those vessels uh, dilate, and they also get really leaky. So a lot of the fluid leaks out of the vessels into your lungs, and you get all can't breathe. Oh, geez. Like, so good. what is in this magical fluid that cures all allergic reactions to bees and peanuts and onions and everything everyone's got. Well, when you have this anaphylaxis, abnormal immune response, your immune cells just release a ton of all these biochemical products. Histamine is one of the major ones. And like Mel said, it causes a lot of swelling and leaking of fluids and vasodilation. And so what epinephrine does is it constricts the vessels so that reduces swelling and it increases the blood pressure. And um, it also causes your bronchioles to dilate. And so you can breathe again. And it's basically out of all the things that we give to someone who's having an anaphylactic reaction, there's a bunch of stuff we give, but epinephrine is really the only one that 
saves lives. Mm. It, it's the medicine that is life-saving in anaphylaxis. It came from a mountain on Moldor and after... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's magical. It's just saying. It really is. It comes from a purple plant, and if you crush it up and you're a black panther, it makes you strong. Ah, you <laughs> ruined it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> well, um, another thing that people talk about with epinephrine auto-injectors is that if you see someone who's really in distress and, and you're going to administer the, the pen to them or the injector to them, you don't mess around with anything. You just take the pen and you go right through their jeans or whatever pants they're wearing. You go right into their thigh. Ten seconds. Is that because Zach it said ten seconds? Right, and you hold you gotta it there. Let the medication get in. Right. You can't if, just like stab and pull out. Right. What if they're expensive jeans though? <laughs> I mean, come on. So, is there a reason why it has to be the thigh, or it can be anywhere? No, it, it, they really like it in the thigh because it's a big muscle. It's hard to miss it. You're trying to get in the muscle. There's a lot of good mm. blood supply there. If you do it like in an arm or something, you might miss the muscle, put it in the fat. It gets absorbed a lot more slowly okay. from fat. So you're trying to find that big muscle with lots of blood supply so it'll get absorbed into the blood and circulate around the body and save you. And sometimes you actually have to do two. So uh, some people, you do it once and they get a little bit better, but then they start to get worse again. Well, how do you know they're not getting better then? Like what? what is – oh, but by, by that time, the ambulance is showing Hopefully, up. Hopefully, but that's why you yeah. call, get the ambulance coming. But they'll often tell you, like, they'll do it once and they'll say, like, I've had this before and it lasts for five minutes, but I often need to have another one. So sometimes, yeah, don't be afraid of doing it again if the person starts to get worse again. Especially and if they're telling multiple. you. Yeah. Double dose me. Yeah. So we've talked about choking and we've talked about anaphylaxis. Let's do uh, let's do one more. I think we have time for another one. Um, what do you do if you see a person who is unresponsive? So whether maybe you're at a restaurant and you see someone pass out or maybe you see someone having a seizure and go unresponsive. Similar, but two slightly different things. Hmm. Um, oh, a seizure. That's really scary looking. Well, let's start with just the unresponsive person, not someone who's seizing. So they just but pass out. Someone who's passed out. They're what not should choking. You do? Yeah, and they're right. not swelling you don't think up. They're choking. They're not swelling up. What do you? What should you do? I have no. I just call nine one one. I have no idea. Ask a family member. They might know some history. That's a really good first step. Is assign someone the task scene of calling safety. for help. Yes, and scene safety. I love that scene safety yes. every time. Is it so? Did they pass out in the middle of a street where cars are whipping by? Zing, zing, and you go out there. I'll save you. And then you get hit by a car. Or and what if in a restaurant? They're on the ground. Scene safety. There could be soup or oil all over the floor. Exactly. I go run to help them. I slip. Now you got two people laying on the floor. <laughs> right. Scene safety. I actually just saw that at a hospital, and it's so true. So this lady dropped her salad, and then she went to sort of go and clean it up. At the same time, another person walked behind her and slipped and went crash onto the ground. And uh, then it was like my job was to scene safety. Nobody move. <laughs> There's oil on the ground. It's quite dangerous. And then they came and cleaned it all up. But it was just such a silly thing. But you could see like, and then another person would come over and yeah. another scene safety. Yeah. Key. Got it. Always. But how do you know they're really unconscious, Jess? How do I decide? What should you do as a non-healthcare provider to right. to intervene for this person? So you should go up to them and scene safety, scene safety, call nine one one, call nine one one, and then when you approach them, if they're if you're yelling like, hey, you know. Are you okay? What's your name? And they're not responding to you. Because they speak Korean and you're speaking English? <laughs> then you ask them in Korean. <laughs> then you ask them in Mandarin. And, and in Spanish. I, I assume we talk about somebody who looks like they're having a nice sleep. 
and not just sitting there. Why are you responding to me? These jokes are great. <laughs> Different kind this of. This is my best dick. Wake up. This audience is unresponsive. <laughs> Um, well, the actual recommendation is basically to start chest compressions. Just really? start CPR. Yes. Until they wake up and tell you stop. Yeah. Because then that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, because that's essentially like a really, you know, vigorous sternal rub. We have sort of like a set of painful stimuli that we do, you know, as physicians assessing someone to see if they respond to anything. Um, is that when you like I don't... pinprick? fingers and stuff no that's a sensation test oh. but the the really common ones are the sternal rub and that is the knuckles right in the sternum and give them a good hard press right there uh, nail bed pressure so you take like your knuckle or you take like a pen and you Just, press it firmly down yeah. into their nail bed it's oh. really painful um, but the reason why i like that one is because you can do it really discreetly you know oh. so i'm not the if there's family there, in the room like, and yeah, they don't want to see me like basically like, grab yeah. their skin and twist it. You this know, one's that's not waking up. horrible, right? Yeah. Nipple twist. I know. Ah, I'm awake. <laughs> but we have deviated from the topic a little bit here. But I think the take home point for this one is unresponsive person, you go up to them, hey, wake up, are you okay? And they're still unresponsive, start chest compressions and get someone to call for help. Well, let's talk about seizures because that's super frightening looking. And what is a bystander supposed to do when someone's having a seizure? I, I heard you just sort of let them have it, just make sure they're not going to knock anything into them or they're not going to knock into anything. Or Yeah, that's sort of the bottom line is to make sure that they're safe. So you want to try to get them safely to the ground and into a position where they're not going to hurt themselves and they're not going to choke. Mm -hmm. And so the, the best thing that you can do is just sort of roll them a little bit on their side. Mm -hmm. And that way, if they have you know secretions in their mouth or if they vomit, it doesn't go down their airway. So you're actually helping protect their airway and their breathing just by simply turning Turning them onto one side. Um, I, this is probably gonna sound stupid, but like in movies, they'll put something in their mouth. Exactly. Is are you supposed to do that in every movie? Yeah, you get a stick a, you and you it shove mouth. it in their mouth. So as they if don't you're bite taking a tongue. bullet out of your leg in the old west, it's like the same stick. Someone's having a seizure, stick a stick in there. You know, someone's <laughs> grinding a bullet out of your leg, a stick bottle a of whiskey, and a stick. Yeah. No. Don't okay. put a stick in their mouth. I think they're afraid of the tongue. They're, yeah, they're worried about the yeah, the tongue biting and so rolling yeah. back or So we don't do that anymore. So it is in every movie and you don't shove something in there and because you'll see that they'll often be clenched down. Yeah. Your people are trying to shove a stick in there and they're tearing their lips and it's like no, just like just Jess said, just most the, the reason you, you don't have to do too much is the overwhelming majority of people with a seizure, it's very brief. It will seem like a long time, but it's less than a minute. So at the most, you sort of roll them on their side, call 911, and then it'll stop by itself. But shoving things into their mouth, very bad idea. Usually you might a also lose idea. a finger or two by doing that. You don't want to do that. Yeah. And could someone who's unresponsive be having a seizure and they're just not convulsing? Yeah, absolutely. But we, no one should make that assumption because if they are in cardiac arrest or if they're in you know dangerous heart rhythm and they need CPR it's like much better to just err on the side of caution and give them CPR yes there could be harm from that you could break ribs you could cause some damage but it's really much better to just err on the side of start CPR right away that saves lives early bystander CPR saves lives so if you're not sure and they're not they're not convulsing maybe they're seizing I don't know they're just not responding I'd start CPR. So if I see somebody seizing, do I still call 911 or is that just something they're going to wake up and be like, eh, it just happens. I don't, is that? I, I would call 911. Okay. Um, even though 
it turns out that m- many people with epilepsy will have a seizure and then they'll get better and they can just sort of have a sandwich and go home. Yeah. Let the pros okay. deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Just call 911 because you don't know whether it's a new seizure or if there's something else going right. on. Just call. That's fine. Okay. That's what they're there for. Okay, okay. Wrap it up. We've talked about a lot this episode, Mel. I feel like there's more. There's, there's so more. much more. Have you seen the Family Guy episode before we finish? Which one? Where, uh, I don't remember the character's name, but there's a car accident and uh, the guy gets out of the car and he goes, don't worry, I know CPR. And he grabs the guy and throws him to the ground and starts trying to do CPR and he's screaming, stop, stop, I'm all right. He's like, no, no, I'm a, I'm a professional, I know how to do CPR. Don't do CPR on awake people. I just yeah. want to say. If they're saying get off me, they're okay. <laughs> exactly. I had a patient come in with chest pain once. And I was examining him, asking about his chest pain. Press on his chest. He's like, yeah, right there. That's where it hurts. I was like, oh, specifically right here? He's like, yeah, that hurts really bad. So well, what happened right there? He said, well, I got a little chest pain, and then I was worried that, you know, my heart was going to stop. And so I punched myself in the chest to start CPR. <laughs> and now it really hurts. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do self-CPR. If you, can, if you can do self-CPR, you don't need it. Well, we should definitely revisit this topic again because I feel like I've got a lot more things that I see in public and I want to know if I can intervene or not. So we're going to have to do a part two at some point. So thanks to our guests, Renee Ramirez, Andrew Ramirez, Michaela Annis, Josh Kurz, and Zachary Kurz. And to our hosts, Dr. Jess Mason, Dave Mason, and I'm Mel Herbert. This Moan Heard a Bit is a production of Foolyboo Incorporated, produced by CeCe Herbert and Bill Connor. The information you hear on This Moan Heard a Bit should not be taken as actual medical advice. If you have actual medical questions about actual medical things, you should see an actual medical practitioner. Even though we are actually doctors, we're not your actual doctor. So, be sensible and keep it real. And this... Oh, this. 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 What's tragic is that uh, Henry Heimlich died in nineteen in two thousand sixteen in a mm-hmm. nursing home. He choked on a bagel. No, he did not. No, actually, he had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been an interesting end to the story. <laughs>